all the things she said over the week. Let's go. It's like not Hanukkah anymore, which is weird, right? I know. I was so sad this morning. Right? It's like, seems like it should still be Hanukkah. Just getting used to it. Whenever I get used to Hanukkah, it's over. You know, Sukkot, I feel like. By the time I really start getting into Sukkot, it's too late. <laughs> so, anyway. Oh, happy, happy winter. We're starting a new bracha. That's exciting. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know. Can you believe it? <laughs> Which should be one session, but it might turn out to be two. Which we're not going to review. But Hashem is the source of all bracha and sends bracha to us. And we hope that in our lives we'll be delivering that bracha through us. He's in control of the whole universe. There's no power over him. He's the power of all powers. Oter Yisrael Besif Ara. Oter would be a verb, and Atara is a crown. So Oter would be to crown, to put a crown on someone, to crown Yisrael. He crowns Israel, Besif Ara, with glory, which is like fairly awesome. Bracha. And what's the occasion? He crowns us with glory. So the Gemara tells us what this bracha is for. I'm sorry, I made source sheets and was not able to print them. So <laughs> last week I didn't make source sheets, so I made source sheets and didn't print them. Is Kiparis? Oh, so you don't need a source sheet because you need to <laughs> no, watch no, the no. road. Kiparis <laughs> Siddhartha is when a person spreads or finishes setting up his. Sudar, which is the source of the modern word sweater, sweater, it doesn't mean a sweater. So some sort of garment, al-reshe, on his head, lima, he should say the bracha, baruch oter yisrael b'sifara. So the Gabaran brachos tells us, just like it tells us all the brachos, right? When you hear the rooster, you say, asher when you take a step, Right, hamechin mitzadei gaver. When you put on your clothing, malbi sharumim. When you put your garment on your head, your head covering on, you say a bracha. Baruch oteri yisrael b'sifara. Blessed is Hashem. We're grateful to Him that He crowns us with glory. Okay. So first of all, what is this talking about? And there are three basic. In any case, it means a head covering. And it's just the, the halakha question is, is what did the Gemara actually mean? Like, which part of the head covering? Is it the, the fact that there's a covering on the head, like a kippah, which would correspond to a woman's head covering? I mean, in any case, talking about a woman's head covering as well. But for us, that would be like a tichel, right? Is it talking about a talis, which a man would put on, let's say, over his head as a garment? Um, which in this case, being more garment, would probably correspond more, yes, to the sneeze aspect of a woman's hair covering. Right? With a man, it's not so much sneeze. And their head covering, it's Yerushamayim. With a woman's head covering, it's Yerushamayim. And it's also sneeze. Um, and the rest of a woman's clothing also is representative of sneeze, whereas with a man, it's not so much the head covering that's sneeze, but his other clothes. Or is it tefillin, which goes over the other head covering, like in addition, which would correspond with a woman more to the the same thing, would be more mikvah, not 
when oh, when you're completely surrounded by your awareness of being in the presence of Hashem, which is more in the mikvah. Mm. And, I mean, we don't wear tefillin, but that's what a tefillin is supposed to do for a man. Okay, so it's a head covering. It's supposed to make you aware. It, uh, tefillin is, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about it, but tefillin is supposed to make a man um, stay focused on the fact that God is over him constantly, and therefore con- he controls his thoughts in a- accordingly. Men used to wear tefillin all day. It's not the halacha. We don't, it's not that it's not the halacha. Good morning. Um, men wore tefillin all day, but your thoughts have to be appropriate to wearing tefillin. And if a person's thoughts can't be, then they're not supposed to wear tefillin. Like you take off tefillin to go to the bathroom even. Not because the thoughts are so inappropriate, but what you have to think about is not suitable to wearing tefillin in the bathroom. Um, Nowadays, it's not customary. There are people you can see now. There are such people who wear tefillin. A few of them who wear it like very righteously all day. Overall, we would say that we're not encouraging our men to wear tefillin. Like, uh, the gadol, we're not encouraging men to wear tefillin all day. Um, because they're not, it's not possible to stay so focused properly all the time. We just started a new bracha, Oter Yisrael B'Sifara. Okay, so this, this bracha goes to putting on your head covering. All right, so what's that? This is really the topic: is what is what then is the message of the head covering, and how how is it defined as Oterius Albasifara? Meaning, when when you put your head covering on, you're gonna you're supposed to be filled with a feeling that would be best expressed by those words that Hashem crowns us with glory. What's the glory? Okay, the crown I could kind of guess, right? The crown is the head covering. What's the glorious aspect of this crown? Okay, so one piece, this is from Rav Schwab on prayer. So it, Rav Schwab's approach tends to be that for a woman, it's talking about the mikvah, for a man, tefillin. Tefillin are symbolic of Kedushas Guf Yisrael, the sanctity of the body of a Jew. The symbolism of Kedushas Guf for Jewish women is in the mitzvah of tevila in the mikvah, because in this, this is the most profound demonstration that my body is holy and that I make it holy. And I do what I can to make it holy. And I have a sense of awareness that I am fully, my, my body is fully surrounded by godliness. Can I ask a question? Sure. So uh, really a woman doesn't really get this glory until she gets married. The mm. Of the tefillin per se, so I'll tell yeah. you something. Like before, don't let it discourage you too much. The Ramchal, I didn't, I didn't bring the Ramchal, but the Ramchal in Derech Hashem talks about this incredible power. You, you'll see hints of it here. The the power of tefillin to draw down the shechina. There's an indication mm-hmm. of it in Rav Hirsch. He doesn't say it quite as explicitly because he's not Ramchal. He's Rav Hirsch. But the power of tefillin to draw down shechina. Um, and then he mentions at the end of this whole passage about tefillin, which, by the way, we don't wear tefillin on Shabbos because for all that tefillin accomplishes, Shabbos does it even more powerfully. Hmm. Which possibly tells us that we've been missing something about Shabbos. We may not have been totally tuned into our Shabbos any more than maybe we and our families are so tuned into the importance of our tefillin. But Misa, like, I don't, I don't think I have to get too hung up on the fact that I don't get to wear tefillin. 
there's such a concept. I saw some interesting things in, in, just in researching this about Michal and Michal wearing tefillin, and was that good? At, maybe that wasn't so amazing. It didn't necessarily help her in the way that you would hope. It might have been amazing in other ways. But um, also but it seems from what Ramchal says, it's very unusual, because really every mitzvah, everything has its own separate angle. The way he talks about tefillin and then talks about Shabbos, it's like Shabbos overrides tefillin. It's, remember when we talked about the guy with the candle in the night, and then the sun comes up. Mm-hmm. The candle is like, is it there? Is it not? It's like pointless. It's completely overshadowed by the fact that the sun has come up. The light of that candle becomes incidental, but in the night it was really important. Tefillin are a little bit like that. They're really, really, really important. And then it's Shabbos, and it just overwhelms what would have been going on with the tefillin. But over the six days of the week, that's really important. But when it's Shabbat, it's there. So we're not somehow missing it. No, I, I, don't, I don't look at it that way either. I mean, there are different connections between men and women and Hashem um, individually. Um, and also, if you look at it as well, I mean, a woman's really only going once a month where a man is wearing it six, six days right. a week. It's, it is different. It's for sure different. I thought it was interesting. I don't, Schwab is not an apologist. I thought it was interesting that he correlates the thing, meaning he didn't just go on and say, this is what's to fill in. I'm like, I don't know, support your husband with this to fill in. And, you know. Oh, is it my, I don't think it's calling me. <laughs> okay. Like, it's interesting that this idea where the, the head covering and a woman's head covering is somehow accomplishing something like what a man's yarmulke is accomplishing or his hat, that a woman's clothing is accomplishing something that for a man would be represented more in his tzitzis and talis, and that the tefillin is going to play out more with a woman in the going to the mikvah. It's interesting. Like that somehow there's, there are roles here that are being played in these different mitzvos that have an effect on us and that it can be helpful for us to understand it. And the reason, the reason I quoted it was because it's helpful. If I want to learn, let's say, about tifara, oterius or elba tifara, v'sifara. So tiferes is a word that is often correlated with tefillin. It will, you'll see in many places that those words are paired together. Um, also crowns go with tifara. So if I if I understand from the get-go where I would see that in my own life, now I know where to hook it into. Like, how could I think about that in a way that will help me in my own experience? That That's more helpful to me. It's good if I know about tefillin, because I'm going to come across that in my learning as well. But it's even better for me if I have some sense of it when I put on my shaitl, right? Or put on tichol. Now it's something I can integrate more easily into my life. Rather than trying to find some sort of place for it, here I see that it's been found for me. Okay, so um, I saw from Rabbi Miller, and I wish I had seen more from Rabbi Miller because it's very rare for me to come across it. But Rabbi Miller in his Mamleches Kohanim, um, which is a subsection of Shari Ora, he says a person says every morning, "Oter Yisrael b'Sifara." We thank Hashem for a head covering, which is crowning. Jews with glory. First of all, this tells us that that by a Jewish person, wearing a head covering is a crown of glory. And essentially, that works in two ways. There's two sides to it. One is that it's a sign and a symbol that I I am putting on myself 
I am putting on myself a head covering. And in doing so, I am saying I belong to God. I'm faithful to God. This is, he say, he compares it. It seems like a little bit like a funny example to me, maybe because I never really came across it before. He says in Turkey that the sultan's closest, um, I guess, what would you call it, like nobility, would wear a red hat. I don't know if he means like a fez. I don't know. But they were only they were allowed to wear this particular red hat that was decorated a certain way. I know I've seen in other books about other, like in Yemen, there were certain colors in a turban that were only allowed to be worn by, by Muslims or only allowed to be worn by the highest level of imam. Like there were certain colors in the hat. So it seems like in many cultures, not so much in American culture, but in many cultures, the hat was where you showed your status. Mm-hmm. And that when a person puts on a head covering, what I'm saying is I have a very special role. I'm in a special place. I am a special servant of God. Now, there's something more than that, which is that, you know, why is a kippa called a yarmulke? You know why it's called a yarmulke? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. a yara, yare mikhail, fear of God. Okay, because that is the purpose of covering a person's head. It's a Gemara and Shabbos. Okay, cover your head in order that you will have your shemayim. It creates a kind of subtle, you know, we've talked about this before with other aspects of clothing. You know, you're wearing your wedding ring. You could say, like, that reminds you that you're married. And then you say, yeah, but do I always think about it when I'm wearing it? Well, if you ever take it off, you feel that it's missing, yeah, right? Or your true. watch, right? Something you wear all the time. Maybe when you see it, it reminds you, and maybe it doesn't. But certainly if it's not there, you really notice which tells you that the whole time you were wearing it, there was some kind of awareness of it. Because as soon as it was off, you noticed it. So there's a kind of awareness that becomes part of your body awareness. It's called proprioceptive sense, which is the sense that you have that tracks your position in your, of your own body. And when a per, like when your leg falls asleep, like there's no proprioceptive feedback. And like as it comes back, it feels too big, it feels too small, it feels like it's off to the side. Have you ever had that experience? Yeah. Right? Like, it almost, it's not just the pain of the tingling. You almost can't tell exactly where it is because <laughs> your brain stops tracking it because there's no feedback from it. The same thing happens if there's something you add to your body and you keep it there all the time. You get a feedback which your body is constantly tracking subliminally. If that changes, it lets you know. Something changed. Your body changed. Your position changed. Maybe your finger's funny, or maybe something's missing from your finger. Okay, and that is a kind of tracking. When you have a head covering on your head, that is your reminder that God is over you. That's your Ray Mikhail. Okay, if it's missing, you feel something's missing. The fat, and it's it's significant that it's on top of the head, right? It's over me. There's something over me. And that is when we wear a hair covering or a head covering, it's a message that something's over me. It's both a message to me and it's a message from me speaking out. And that's two directions of Oterius or Elba Sifara that Rabbi Miller's talking about. He says, one thing is it's me telling the world, here's who I am. I am serving God. And the other thing it does is it reminds me, here's who I am. Here's where I am. God is over me. And there is no greater kavod, there's no greater glory 
This is not just Oter Yisrael, it's Oter Yisrael B'Sarvarah. There's no greater glory than to be identifiable to yourself or to others as a person with Yerushalayim. That's Now, honestly, there's been a lot of years where I've heard the words Yerushalayim, and it just felt like something so far beyond. Like, I don't know, for very great people, and not for me. And it's, it's something to remember, like, you know what? If I'm wearing a head covering, if I'm wearing socks, if I'm, if I'm dressing a certain way because Hashem said to do it, I also could say, yeah, I'm, I'm dressing in a way to show myself and others that I have Yerushalayim. Maybe I don't have as much Yerushalayim as I would like to have. Maybe I don't really understand exactly what Yerushalayim is and how I'm going to get there, but it's something to realize is it's not way outside of our reach. It's something that we really all are expected to be able to get to, and maybe we've even gotten into the Yerushalayim zone without realizing it. Mm-hmm. It's possible that maybe we're, we have more of it than we know, and that we shouldn't put ourselves down. We should realize there's a glory here to being allowed to publicly wear something. You know, what you put on top of your head is public. It's the opposite of private. Right? It's, that's as out there as you can be. That says, I have Yerushalayim. I behave with Yerushalayim. I behave because of my Yerushalayim. And that's a crown of honor. And it demonstrates my importance coming from, I come from a people who are Kohanim. So where's he going with this? This is a Pasuk. The, there's a Pasuk that describes the Mitznefes, the, the turban for the Kohen. It's a Mitznefes, it's a Migbas. It's described as Pa'arei HaMigbaos. The glory, the beauty of the migbas. The, this, the head covering is something that's, that's that pe'er, like tifara, right? There's that connection again, this kind of glory. And what Rabbi Miller says is, yeah, kohanim amongst the Jewish people, that's a big honor. The, clo- the, the clothing, the big day kahuna, it's an honor to wear them. But Jewish people are kohanim for the nations. Atem tiuli mamleches kohanim. So we're all kohanim when it comes to humanity. And we have to realize that when we put on our clothing, in particular the head covering, what we're doing is dressing ourselves for our avoda. I was once in a position that was so conflicted. We, we had a layover in France coming from Israel for such a short time. And without thinking, we just said, oh, <laughs> we arrived five in the morning and we didn't sleep the whole night. We're like, oh, let's go to the Eiffel Tower. We have five something. hours and we'll come back and catch our flight. And then we went and um, I didn't tell my kids to take out their kippah. And it's so like against the whole way I think to even do that. But anyway, we were quickly reminded that we were Jews because it was like almost all Muslim on the train going. Oh, and we had no idea because whatever. And um, I mean, you hear things, but you didn't like, I don't know. Anyway. So they're pointing at us and whatever, and it was clearly like this threat. I mean, my daughter and I were just like saying to him like the whole time, and we were like, and then my husband's like, do I take it off? And I say, well, now you don't, <laughs> for sure, because then that shows us, you know, a sign of weakness. But um, but then like once we got to an area where no one was, it was like, wow, if you don't like, we can't, we won't be able to make right. it back. But That's it was this thought. very clear. You realize like, how much it represents who you are. Yes. Well, we were all dressed. Like Jews, yeah. and we just came off the plane from Air to Shul. So we were just, you know. Then it was like, well, what do you do? Like, 
you do you know what I mean because yeah. you want to represent Jews you want to feel proud that, and I and you, we always so, do but we're right. here but the greatest pride right is here. our Yerushalayim I think that's the point like sometimes we can get mixed up by the messages I mean pride means a lot of things in this country right you should be proud of who you are I don't know there's probably parts of myself I'm not so proud of right but that doesn't mean that I hate myself there's things I still need to improve on that aren't maybe the parts that I'm so excited about. Maybe they're going to be the best parts of me, right? If you keep being tested in the same area, it often means that's where you have the ability to thrive and become really great. But I might not be there yet, right? But, but I'm worth it. Meaning it's worthwhile that I should have things I have to work on because there's the possibility for me to become somebody much greater, right? Hashem is investing in me. He made me born. He gave me opportunities to learn and to grow and to... To find out and to and to go to Shiurim and to and to learn Torah and to be tuned in and to find out stuff. He's given me all kinds of challenges that have forced me to have to talk to him, right? Not to be able to just go on my merry way, and um, that's something that that's like a kind of a pride that's not pride because of what I've done, but a kind of a very deep realization that I have value, right? So that is reflected in how I dress, and that is especially reflected in what's on my head. You know, what happens in practice when that becomes dangerous to show to the outside world? That's a different issue. But how do I feel about it? And I, what I want to just say is Rabbi Miller goes this far, and then he goes and he takes another step of Moser out of it, which is how are we supposed to see ourselves when we put on our head covering in the morning? Which is to feel that I'm a Kohen beginning my avoda of the day, mm. my service in God's temple of the world. And when I see another Jew with a hat, with a yarmulke, with a tichel, with a shetel, dressed as a ben Torah, right? How do I think about them? He, he doesn't mention, like, what color the yarmulke is, <laughs> what material it's made out of. When you see a person dressed in a way that says, I'm a ben Torah, I'm a Yerei Shemayim. Mm-hmm. Imagine if the first thing we thought of when we saw that was, you are something special. You're a person who's behaving in accordance with your Shemayim. You're a person who sees yourself as a Kohen working in the face of Mikdash. How would I treat somebody differently? How would I treat myself, right, if I saw them and if I saw myself in that way? Okay, so we, we started late. I just want to know, do you want to stop at 9? Or do you want to go to 9.15? I could go, I could go to 9. 9.15. Yeah, I do too. I have an appointment. <laughs> okay. So just so we get a sense. So the Sefer HaChinuch, and this, this is, in, it's interwoven with what, what Rabbi Miller said. The Sefer HaChinuch on Parshas Titzave, on the mitzvah of wearing the big tekunams. I was explaining before that I actually did make a source sheet this week and then didn't manage to print it. So um, you're welcome to email me and I'll, I'll send back to you the source sheet. The Sefer HaChinuch, Mitzvah 99, the mitzvah of wearing big tekuna. So within the explanation of the impact of the mitzvah, the Sefer HaChinuch teaches that one reason the Kohanim have to wear special clothes, well, the Kohanim have to wear special clothes because this is greatness, it is honor to them and to the Beis HaMikdash. Um, and part of the root of that is because a person is affected, and Rabbi Goldberg gave an unbelievable share on this a couple weeks ago, on uh, really re-explaining in a much deeper way what the Sefer HaChinuch means here. It's a very famous statement of the Sefer HaChinuch, and I think interpreted based on what he taught, opposite of what it really means when by most people. It was one of the Thursday Shurim a couple weeks ago. 
don't we can. So well. I don't have my <laughs> my notes here. Maybe we can find it in there. It was really astonishing turnaround on this Sefer Chinuch that a person is affected by his actions and after his thoughts and intentions. Um, and what he said is that, that the thought and intention you have going into the action mm-hmm. is what allows the action to have right. its effect on you. You remember that one? Yes, now I do. Okay, that I that's do. like, it's not enough to just do an action and say, oh, well, it'll have an effect. Like the action it's, will have some effect on you even if you had no plan with the action. It, it was kind of similar to It was a good example Ruff Dessler that you can with relate the, to was the, um, the gluten-free. Like if you're gluten-free, oh, I'm always deprived and missing out versus if you have Oh, that's true. He gave that, that as an example. Right. That's good for you. Right. Mm-hmm. So Ruff Dessler has, he talks about the concept of Hamitoch Shaloli Shema Balishma, doing a mitzvah not for its own sake, not for pure motives, will lead you eventually to do it for pure motives. So that's, that's kind of the basis that we say, well, I'll reward myself for doing something that I know I should do anyway, right? In order that I'll have, like a, I'll have maybe not such a good motive, a selfish motive, but it'll lead me to be able to do it better. And what Rav Dessler says is that only works if at the beginning you wanted to be able to do it lishma. You're just not able to do it lishma. Then Then, if you do it anyway and find any other motivation for doing it that will help you keep doing it. But, but all along, what you wanted was to do it lishma. Then hamitoch shelo lishma balishma. Which is a very important diuk. <laughs> very important yeah. like, um, detail to know, right? And it's kind of similar to this. The person is affected by his actions, but it's after his thoughts and his kavanos that you had to have the thought and kavana going in. And that's a powerful thing because what it means is maybe I don't want to do this for the right reasons, but I really want to want to do it for the right reasons. I think that for a lot of us, that's what maybe where we're holding and we don't even realize we could say that. And as soon as you realize you could say that and that that is meaningful and important and that will take you where you need to go, you could find a big part of that inside yourself. You know, it might be hard to really locate the passionate desire for everything good for the right reasons. And then we think we find it for the right reasons, then we realize it wasn't really the right reasons. We were fooling ourselves. But I don't have to fool myself to say I really want to do it for the right reasons. Maybe I, I can't yet tap into how much I love Hashem, but maybe I really want to, right? Maybe I can't fully tap into wanting to be Mechabal Omalcho Shemayim, 100% in Shema, but I really want to. Tapping into the desire to do things, to have the right kavana for things, is more than half the battle. Okay. The person who is going to be Mechaper, coming back to Sefer Chinuch here, the person who is going to be Mechaper for the Jewish people, right? The Kohen in his avoda, he's got to bring kapara for everybody. All of his thoughts, all of his kafonas have got to be focused on the avoda. That's not so, you know, any of us ever stood Shmonasri? You ever seen those halachas where the, the Gemara questions? So you dive in Shmonasri and you realize you didn't have kavana. Should you say it over again? Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> Well, guess what? Right. The Gemara kind of comes down to, you know what? Maybe the first three brachos, maybe just the first bracha. Why? Because, and the Gemara says, so already in the time of the Gemara, right? There's no end. You'd spend your whole day repeating Shred Esrei. It's amazing that we're not all OCD. Because the the Gemara itself is not obsessive compulsive, it's right? The Gemara of- says, like, okay, let's... Well, I think the only well, one you're able to really concentrate on is um, 
uh, refer uh, on, on healing. Okay, because well, we get we got like, a couple years probably till we get list, to there. You're looking at like uh, hopefully, hopefully someday I mean? we'll be able to apply that to everything. Everything yes. is from an essay, but we're not there yet. But you're welcome. We're just starting it in the other class. You can oh. listen to that. But we got a ways ahead of us to get there. Yeah. No, it's not so unusual. So it's helpful to know what's the definition of success, right? Okay. So the 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 kohanim have to go into the avoda, and it's not. A 20-minute short essay, a 15-minute short essay, a 10-minute short essay, a 5-minute short essay, a 3-minute short essay, right? Whatever we pull off. It's not that. Like, it's a, it's a serious avoda. Like, they're going to be at it all day. And they have to stay focused, and their thoughts have to be right. Like, they're basically doing our Shmona essay work in there. And how are they supposed to stay focused? So one thing they do is they wear special clothes that keep them tuned in through their body's own sensations, what they will feel on their body, and when they look at their body, will remind them and arouse their hearts. Who am I serving before? Before whom am I serving? Sorry. Okay? In the same way that tefillin do. You put them on your head, and they remind you to keep your thoughts focused, your eyes focused. You put on, they put on a belt, and this reminds them that of their kehuna, that their clothing is, is pulling them back to remembering what they're doing. And that this is the concept of the special clothing of the Kohen. That's the concept of the tefillin. It's not the whole story. It's a piece of it. And one piece of it is that in what we wear, we keep ourselves tuned in to who we are and where we are and what we're meant to be doing. Okay, so Masachas Avos, Pirkei Avos, Know what is on top of you. It's actually interesting. It starts with, I'm sorry, I don't know my sources. It starts with, um, what path should a person walk on? A path that is Tiferes, a Tiferes for him and for his creator. Okay. And you should know what is above you. Uh, eye is, an eye is watching, an ear is listening, and all of your deeds are written in a book. It's knowing what's over you. The Gemara in Kiddushin, Lamed Aleph, says, Rav Huna would not walk four, I'm sorry again, send out the source sheet. Rav Huna would not walk four amos, meaning like the normal space of a person outside of his own range, without a yarmulke. Because he said, the Shechina is over me. The Shechina is over me. You can feel the Shechina is over him. So you want to have something over your head. And that tells you the screen. I don't know. Do we? How often have we tuned into that? I think when we think about our own head covering, we do think about sneas, which is absolutely so. But it's something more than that, right? Hasidim are accustomed that a woman wears two head coverings, right? You ever see like a shaito with a tichel yeah. or a very wide headband or a hat, right? Or even sometimes underneath, like a little bit of like a fringe, and then on top of why two hair coverings? Hmm. So part of that is. It's two purposes that it's serving, right? We, we don't necessarily need to have uh, some hold at the cap with the shade, they'll bless the hair, whatever, each one, you know. Why two? Because one is your Yerushimayim, and one's your Tzniyaz. Like, okay, we could accomplish it with one, but, but it's something to infuse, and I think, to make it more meaningful for yeah, us as well. If the Yerushimayim component is so important, why wouldn't then a single person, woman? Why wouldn't a single woman cover her head? I don't Look, men are not obligated. That's, right? Well, that's part of why 
I guess obviously women tend towards thinking about the sneeze portion of right. any aspect. Because we're not accustomed to it from the time we're young. Right, otherwise, well, like the Muslims actually. Right, the, they do cover girls, their hair. But that's because they have, gosh, what so can you do? Walking, everywhere. Walking around everywhere. Everywhere now. It's supposed to, what I understand is that they're supposed to start, mm -hmm. I've heard different things at nine, What about Muslims? Yeah, nine or when the girls get their period. Muslims need to cover up because they have a very, very deeply uncontrolled lack oh. of self Control. It's a very, very, very perverted culture. And yeah. so it's necessary. It's not necessarily, I think sometimes we think like we should learn from them. I don't think we're meant to. I don't think we're meant to learn our tzniyas from Arabs. There's a lot of things we can learn from everybody. There's always something we could learn, but that's, that's coming from, I think, a very different place, which is sort of like, you know, we're supposed to have full kavana and shimon esrei. If we don't, then we start with where we are and we build from there. Like, it, it's just a very different place we're coming from and the same thing with with everything else hold on one second okay so we've talked about now in terms of our head covering helping to keep us more tuned into where we actually are right I am surrounded by Hashem Hashem is over me where am I with relation to Hashem I am an Evid Hashem I am a Kohen of Hashem I am a Yurei Hashem okay um, Rav Schwab brings and he he, he brings this, interestingly, he brings it in a few different places in his teachings. I've seen it in Mayan Beza Shoeva, which is his, um, div, like, drushes on Chumash, which is an amazing sefer. Um, and he, he brings it for different reasons. He brings it at the end of Shemona Esrei. He says, when a person takes three steps back and you kind of bow to the left and bow to the right, what's with the left and right? What are you acknowledging at your left and right? You're acknowledging the Malachim who are there with you. When you say, right, Mimini Michael, Mismoli Gabriel, to my right is Michael, to my left is Gabriel, in front of me, Oriel, after me, Raphael. All of these are divine emissaries of Hashem's power, and over my head is the Shrina of Hashem. That's what Rav Huna was referring to. He said he wouldn't walk more than four hours because he wanted to, to have the reminder and stay in tune with that feeling that Hashem is over him. What Rav Schwab says is, when a person does mitzvos, the mitzvos are our emissaries of divine power. So we've talked about this with the sense of baruch and bracha. Hashem sends bracha to the world. And when we see the good and we're trying to bring, tr hoping that bracha will come to other people and asking Hashem to give bracha to other people, then we can become the channel through which that bracha is delivered to somebody. Right? So... If I give somebody tzedakah, and they really needed that money, they had no food, right? And they use it to buy food. I'm the channel for it. Hashem had other ways to send them food, right? They could have gotten the food from someone else. They could have gotten money from someone else. So it's not that I get to take the credit and say, oh, isn't it? Aren't I amazing that I provided for this person? Hashem provided for this person. But isn't it an honor that it passed through me, right? So when Hashem is has... We don't, I don't know what this means, right? But there's malachim. What's a malach? So one definition of a malach is an emissary of divine power into the world. These are different midos, different manners, different paths through which Hashem sends what he is sending to the world to happen. When I'm doing a mitzvah, which is an expression of ratzon Hashem, it was written in the Torah. God said, this is his will, and I perform it. So that thing that I performed is God's will, and it came through me, 
right? Similar to this idea with bracha coming through me. But there's other things that can come through me, not only tzedakah. Also a Shabbos could come through me, yeah? Also a keeping separate of milk and meat could come through me. Also a tzniyaz could come through me. Also a shofar could come through me. There's a lot of, a lot of ratzon Hashem, and it's written in the Torah. And he tells us this is his will. And when we perform it, then the action that we take is somehow also identified as the malach that Hashem has sent to deliver this ratzon into the world. There is somehow a, a, this is the identity of the malach is the mitzvah. What does that mean? I don't know. You probably heard it even when you were a child or your children heard it when they were in preschool, right? You do a mitzvah and you make a malach. Okay, so this is maybe like a one, one half step deeper way to think about that. When you do a mitzvah, you create a malach because a malach is Hashem's divine messenger delivering his will to the world. This is one of the ways in which he causes things to happen in the world is through these shlichim, sometimes called Gavriel, sometimes called Michal, sometimes called Oriel, sometimes called Raphael. Shechina is from the word shachin, a neighbor, meaning someone who's very close, right? Aroshi shechinas kel. That when I'm surrounded by these malachim of my mitzvos, then I also have this reminder that Hashem is very, very near to me. Okay, so Rav Schwab says, thus, Oter Yisrael Besifara, Hashem's drawing close to me because I am surrounded by his mitzvos, is crowning us with the glory. What glory? What is this tifara, this glory? It's the glory of the Shekhinah. That there is a drawing near of the Shekhinah. So it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting because Rav Schwab is not given to flights of the esoteric, right? Like when the Ramchal says it, it's like, okay, I just don't know what that means at all, right? When Ramchal says that a person wears tefillin and draws upon himself the shrim, I don't know, right? Doesn't, not sure that I know what it means any better when Rav Schwab says it, but at least he uses the language I'm more familiar with, right? I'm just going to read it two sentences from what he said, just, you know, it's not just me saying it. On a deeper level, the bracha refers to the fact that the mitzvos which a person performs are the malachim which protect him. The Rambam says, our early sages said everyone who has to fill it on his head and arm, tzitzis on his garment, a mezuzah on his doorpost, is assured he will not sin, for he has many reminders, and they are, hein heim ha-malachim, they are the malachim who save him from sinning. When a person performs mitzvahs, he's surrounded by malachim, mimini michal, umismoli gavriel, umofanai oriel, umiacharai rafal, ve'aroshi shchinas kel. If a person communicates with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if a person is surrounded by malachim of his mitzvahs, then the shechina is above his head. The word shechina comes from shachin, which means close. HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes close to him. Thus, Oter Yisrael b'sefara, he crowns Yisrael with the glory of his shechina as a result of our mitzvahs. Do you think that brachos fall into that same category? Saying a bracha? Saying a bracha or saying a main. I've heard that I don't saying, see why not. you say a main, you also create a mala. Why not? Why not? I mean, every mitzvah is that way. So is saying a bracha a mitzvah? I sure. mean, it's v'achalta so that's... That, so there's for sure the, two mitzvahs mitzvah in the Torah. There are two mitzvahs in the Torah for brachos. One is bracha after you eat bread to right. satisfaction, and the other is brachos over, say, over learning Torah. 
Those are the brachos right. del Raisa. So then when but I drink my tea and I say a bracha, it's also a mitzvah. It's, it's considered a mitzvah? You know, when we talked about like Hanukkah and Purim, right? So I think I, must, I might have mentioned this. Um, in both the story of Hanukkah and the story of Purim, I was going to say something that jumps out. It doesn't jump out. But it is nonetheless a little bit odd once you notice it, which is in both cases, um, the king says, who is this? Okay, so Esther says, I and my nation have been sold, and I wouldn't bother you if it weren't more trivial, but, like, we really don't all want to die. And the king says, Mi who is this who wants to do this? I mean, who is this who wants to do it? How many genocides did he sign on? <laughs> Come on, he must have figured out. Even if he didn't know she was Jewish, he must have figured out right away. It wasn't that stupid, right? I know there's some who say it was foolish, but it wasn't really so stupid. They, he, he understood right away that it was Haman. He says, who is this? She says, it's Haman. He goes out, he comes back, and there's Haman in bed, you know, on top of Esther saying, come on, come on, come on. Like, give me a break here. And then he says, okay, hang on. Um, Alexander the Great says to the Kusim, say, we want permission to destroy the base of Mekdash. He says, fine. He gives them permission. He meets Shimon at Tzadik, and then... Shimon Tzadik says, is it, he says, what do you want from, and he bows down to him, whatever. He says, what do you want? Shimon Tzadik says, I came because is it possible that in this temple that's the source of your success, that these people are going to mislead you into destroying it? And he realizes, I mean, this is kind of the equivalent of finding Haman, like, you know, falling on the couch with Esther. Yes, it's is. like, hang on a second. I just realized that all, I didn't have enough pieces of the puzzle. I gave them permission to destroy the base of Mikdash. Now I see you dressed as the Kohen Kadol, as right, in the service of the temple, mm-hmm. and you're the one that, whose face I see before I succeed. And now you're pointing out that they just asked to destroy that. Were they for me or against me? What were they? Were they telling me for their own reasons? I thought they had their own reasons they wanted to destroy the temple. Maybe it's because they were trying to undermine me and my success, and he says, who are these people? And Shimon says, they're Kusim. <laughs> right? And he says, okay, I give them over into your hand. So what is this like, who are these people? What do you mean, who are these people? You've been walking with them at least overnight, <laughs> according to the Gemara. They've been walking together overnight, and he's been talking to them, and he even asked the Kusim who the Jews were. So now what do you mean, who are these people? Right? I think that this is, these are the... These are the holidays that are Dirabanan. Right? These are the Yontifs that we have that aren't from the Torah. They're, they're Dirabanan. And the king says, Who are these people? Where do you think it's coming from? You think that it's the stick? Or is it the person holding the stick, right? The, the dog who tries to bite the stick that's hitting him and doesn't go for the hand of the person controlling it. Like, who, who is in control here? And I think that really the Gemara and the Megillah are calling our attention to that. They're saying, who do you think it is that's the problem here? It's Haman? Like, who's the issue over here? It's Haman? It's the king? Is that, like, where is the problem really coming from? And that's, essentially that is the message of those, it, it's, it's Hester Panim. It's how do we relate to God when he's hidden? Well, the answer is he still talks to us. He still relates to us supernaturally. But it gets covered by some, there's always going to be some go-between, some natural interface in between, because we don't live in the time of open miracles. And I think that that's true of the mitzvahs as well. We have very, very few mitzvahs to Rabbanon. But the mitzvahs that we have is Hashem's will talking to us through an interface, through a later time. 
It's not the time of the open miracle. It's not the time of the Nevi'im. It's not open revelation. So it comes through somebody. But in the end, who is it? Like, the Torah tells us, you should follow the, the Chachamim. But we don't have so many mitzvahs there, Rabbanan, really. But I think that when you when certainly according to the approach of Rav Tzadok, you would say that when a person makes a bracha over their tea, then you're not just being mekayim the mitzvah that the Chachamim gave you, you're being mekayim the mitzvah of the Torah, which says to listen to the Chachamim, and that therefore it's a higher level mitzvah. Rav Tzadok for sure has that approach. He does, I didn't see him say it about brachos, so I'm extrapolating, but he says it about Yom Tov Sheni, keeping the second day Yantif. He says essentially the first day Yantif, and he says especially about Shavuos. Okay, so Shavuos, first day of Yantif, you're celebrating, we got the Torah. Second day Shavuos is Torah Shabbat Peh. What's the mitzvah in the Torah to listen to the Chachamim? It's mitzvah. You have to to actually follow. Um, Is there? Yeah, 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 there is. And the words are escaping me, but I will, I'll look it up. It's a pasuk. It's a pasuk. I always get back to this when people, when people People misuse the pasuk too. No, but if people say it's only a midirabana, no, no, no. then I want to be able to quote them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, not everything that's a derabanan is a mitzvah derabanan, but there's not so many mitzvahs derabanan. Six, right, seven right. of them? Right. It's not so many. It How many people say that about lighting Hanukkah candles? Oh, it's only a derabanan. I know. <laughs> Shabbos true. candles. Yeah. Doesn't it also thank you, matter? Yeah, thank you. The kabbana or how you're saying the bracha for the tea? For um, sure it matters. Like, well, Look, you're using the name of God. Right. I know, but sometimes, okay, we say a bracha. Cause so maybe like, maybe you know, our mitzvah isn't as perfect as it would like it to be. And so we have to think. You still get a malach, <laughs> right? But I don't know what your malach is able to do. Anyway, that's I, I think that when we're saying a bracha, I, it's definitely a mitzvah. Rav Tzadik's approach is that when you're doing something on a derabanan basis, you're actually doing something that's a higher level. It's a Torah Shabbat Peh basis versus Torah Shabbat basis, and that that's more powerful, not less. Which is a very different approach. Different it's beautiful. It's like the concept of, uh, is it harder to do something that you've been commanded to? Right. Is it, is it a bit of a mitzvah? I think with their abundance, we feel more mitzvah. Don't you think? Because they're not godly, so right. to speak. You know, they're, right. So they're who like, are you to tell right. me they're what to do? Okay, God, fine. If he wants to tell me, fine. Right. Right. And right. these seven mitzvahs, or whatever it is, like these minimal number of mitzvahs, they're... But it's very counterintuitive, though, the mitzvah thing. It's very counterintuitive. It we talked about that a lot with the women when we talked about... Um, when we talked about Shosani Kirtsono, being made in accordance with God's will. Meaning there's things that women do that we do without a mitzvah. And by the way, the... Not not so typical example of which is having children. There's no mitzvah for a woman to have children. I mean, it's a mitzvah if you do have children, but you're not commanded to. Men are. Like, what's with that? Right? But you don't find that you have to command women to have children, generally right. speaking. It's not usually... It's following the will of the way they're made. Yeah. Like, no, that's, we're, that's we're, we're made that way. And so we're in accordance with this will. So in many areas, it's like that. So then you have the question of which is one way of understanding those brachos as a set, right? Is gratitude for more mitzvos. Gratitude to be Jewish, I have more mitzvos. It's, it's, it's an approach. But it is a little counterintuitive. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank 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 you.